Apparently, if you want your kids to hug you around here, come play guitar on the stage. I've been playing for years. My kids have never hugged me. They did try to tackle me one time. Tell you a funny story. Cindy and I just got married, and I was singing at this church, little country church in the middle of nowhere. And Cindy was new to my boys, and they were new to her, and they're back in the pew, just about where, Robin, you're sitting, and I'm up there singing and playing and doing my thing, and Blaze gets away first and crawls under the pews like he's crawling, you know, jumps up, I don't see him coming, he comes to grab me around the legs, nearly knocks me over, and about the time I get my balance back, Bryce does the same thing, and they were out completely out of control, and when it was all over, I gave them what my parents gave me in church. I took them out back. <laughs> don't you ever do that again. So Maybe that's why they don't hug me after I play. That's probably, I worked it out in my mind now. Okay, I got it now. If you have been living as a Luddite over the last several weeks, you might not know that there's been a small soccer tournament going on. 2018 marked the return of the FIFA World Cup, a competition held every four years to crown the team and the nation quite literally as the champions of world soccer. Qualification for the tournament began in 2014, just as soon as the Germans won the World Cup in 2014. 210 teams, which amazes me. There's only about 190 countries. 210 teams from six conferences vying for 32 places. And those 32 teams fight it out on the pitch. Isn't that what it's called, Gary? The pitch, not the field. In these dramatic, nail-biting battles until there are only two teams left standing. They are standing today, and this year it is France, the heavy favorite, versus the underdog, Croatia. They're playing right now. And it is one nothing France in the 26th minute. So there you go. Sadly for many of my friends, England was eliminated on Wednesday. They were this close. But before they left, there was this great meme that was circulating the social media world. If you could show this right here. The gentleman that you see there is Garrett Southgate. He is the coach of England's national team. He is wearing his customary vest. In England, I hear it is called a waistcoat. Thank you very much. And he coaches in that thing. He looks very dapper on the sidelines all the time. And if you look at him here, he has a box in his hand labeled trophy cabinet. Obviously, because they thought they would be bringing the cup home. And he has purchased this box at Ikea. Ikea is a Swedish company, and it was Sweden that England eliminated. Kids, this is called trolling on the World Wide Web, and this is an epic example of this. Now, how many of you know about this thing called Ikea? Oh, my God. How many, how many of you shopped at Ikea? How many of you have ever purchased something at, at Ikea that you had to put together? Returning to you Luddites or retreatists who have never had this opportunity, let me explain. When you buy a piece of furniture 
or a trophy cabinet at Ikea. It comes in the form of what they call a flat pack, and it is flat. It is a box of materials that they say will eventually, maybe, look like what you saw in the store. You have to put it together. And Ikea apparently saves a lot of money this way, and they pass the savings on to us by including all of their material in this flat pack that you have to put together, and they save a little more money by not putting any instructions in. It's usually just pictures or a few scribbles on the paper. And for your edification, here is a list of items you should never buy from Ikea, not because of cost or quality, but because of the difficulty of putting it together. Number five. This is the Brim's Daybed. The instructions can be found online, 32 pages in Swedish. (laughs) Four, the Stuva loft bed. It takes five hours to complete by the easiest estimates. Three, now that looks easy to me, but the Vartal track system, it's only a curtain rod and it's impossible, I am told. Two, The best of wall-mounted unit, buyers say it takes four hours to put together, takes multiple people, and should be secured to the wall before leaving it unattended, or you will be putting it back together again. (laughs) And number one, I think I had one more there. Maybe I got ahead of myself. That's the PAX wardrobe. That's the number one. You carry it home in two gigantic seven-foot-tall boxes. It has more than 150 individual parts, including sliding doors that seem to never get level or balanced in their entire lifetime, and you'll probably need an entire weekend to do the job, so do not buy that at Ikea. Back to Coach Southgate. What if I told you that faith looked more like this than the finished product? Would you believe me? Because it's true. You believe You get converted, you're born again, you have an awakening. There's so many different ways to describe those first steps. And you receive, in a manner of speaking, everything you need. And you're you're made aware of everything that you need. But it doesn't work the way that we're told. It hasn't been put together. Sometimes, if there are any instructions at all, they're in a different language, it appears. And it sure looks like you're going to need some help with this thing called faith. It's going to take some extra hands. And I can't think of a better description of what faith actually is. You've got to quote the Apostle Paul, work it out and put it together. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16, the New International Version. And Paul says this, My dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fill His good purposes. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. The word of God for the people of God. You know, if I go back to my nonprofit days 
we got a lot of mileage out of something called outcomes-based measurements. Doesn't that edify you, that phrase? It's a common tool to gauge the effectiveness of helping programs, no matter what they are. Whether if you're building houses for people or, or if you're on a hospital staff, they use something called outcome measurements to see if you're getting the job done. For example, if your gig is to provide housing for the poor and you do some of that, and then you report back to your donors or your constituents or whoever, and you tell them, we built 12 houses for poor people. Yay! Mission accomplished. No! That's the goal, but that's not the outcome. What's the outcome? The outcome is kids staying in school, a family having economic security, The outcome is that that family for generations will improve simply because they've had home ownership. Go to a hospital. We've got a thousand patients in the hospital today. That was our goal. No, it's not. The outcome is to get rid of those patients, preferably out the front door, so that people become healthy and well and back on their own feet. Do you get that? Sometimes our goal and our outcome are different things, and we don't We don't go far enough. We get to the goal, but we don't see what the real outcome is. My favorite example is this. I say that people go to the store not to buy a hammer and a nail. They go to the store to buy the picture they want to hang on the wall. The hammer and nail is just the tool to get that done. Salvation, faith works the same way. We have always been about in the church about getting people's names on the roll. Getting people counted in the baptismal pool. Adding numbers to the membership role. Well, that's a great goal. But what is the real outcome that we are after? The outcome we are after is that people become Jesus-following, Jesus-believing, mature followers of Christ. That's the outcome. And if we think... Oh, somebody came to Christ, somebody came to faith, someone got baptized, we did it. No, we're just getting started right there. Do you follow me? Say amen. Your faith, your belief is very much like that. When you converted, when you believed, when you prayed that prayer, when you got into the baptismal waters, the good goal, but that's not the final outcome. It's as if God gives you everything you need, as Peter would say, for life and for godliness. You got it all. But you got to put it together. You got to work it out. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We've been given this wonderful gift of grace, and with trembling hands, what a great gift it is, we have to do our part to make the pieces fit together. When you came to faith, you didn't have it all miraculously figured out. No more than a baby has life figured out when he first or she first arrives in the world. You have a responsibility. Work it out. Ronnie, I thought salvation was all about grace and not works. Now you're telling me i got to get to work. No. Because there is nothing that you can do to earn God's love, to earn God's grace. It's freely given. That's what makes it grace. Quoting Frederick Buechner, the great Frederick Buechner who turned 92 years of age this week. 
Grace is something you can never get. It can only be given. There's no way to deserve it or to bring it about any more than you can bring about your own birth. And then he gives some examples of grace. Good sleep is grace. Hallelujah. So are good dreams. Most of the time, tears are grace. The smell of rain is grace. Somebody loving you is grace. Loving somebody is grace. Because have you ever really tried to love somebody? A crucial example of the Christian faith is this assertion that people are saved by grace. And then he says it like this. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. I like how he repeats it those three times. He continues, the grace of God means something like this. Here is your life. You might not never have been, but here you are. Because the party would not have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. But don't be afraid, because I am with you. Nothing can ever separate us because I love you, but there's only one catch. And here we are. Like any other gift, the gift of grace can be yours only if you will receive it and work it out. Taking and living the gift of grace is the working out of our salvation. Maybe you can imagine it like this. Imagine that a friend comes to you after a long vacation in Europe. They didn't take you with them, but they come and visit you when they get back anyway. And they have for you this marvelous gift. Let's say it's a great painting or a sculptor. It's priceless. This priceless piece of Renaissance art. And you look at it and your heart is moved by the beauty of it. And then your friend says the unthinkable. I want you to have it. Well, at first you fake all of that. No, I could never. But then you really are really glad to receive it. And so you get it. And you put it in your house in what you think is the best place in your house, right in the living room. But the problem is, it is so magnificent, you can't see it when you have your morning coffee. And when you go to bed at night, it's not there before you. So maybe you move it into the bedroom, but then the rest of the day, you can't see it. And so you decide to do the unthinkable. I'm going to tear my house down and rebuild it so that Every place in the house, this beautiful work of art can be seen and enjoyed. And anyone who comes to my house to visit me will see that this work of art is the very reason for my house's existence. That is salvation. You've been given this marvelous gift. What do we do? We tear down the lives we were once living and we rebuild our lives around the gift of grace. That's what it means to work out our salvation. We unpack it. We construct our life around it. And we don't stop until what Paul says in verse number 15 is true. Until you are children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine like the stars in the sky. This is tough. Because you know the three most terrifying words in the English language. 
some assembly required. Go to Ikea. You'll find out. Order something on Amazon. It looks great in the picture. It'll come to your house in a box. Probably no instructions. Go down to the department store, big box store. You see something sitting there. Oh, I want one of those. They bring it out to you. It's in a box. Some assembly required. For me, the worst example of this was when the kids were younger and we were living in Georgia and we got one of those giant children's play sets. You know what I'm talking about? Now, I digress here a moment, but when I was a kid, if you don't mind me saying, our swing sets were just these aluminum tubes. Anybody with me? You know, and if you swing too high, the whole front end would lift up off the ground. And if you fell off the swing, you fell off on the ground, not some rubberized little mat. We slid down slides that were metal that had been in the sun for hours that would take the hide off the back of your legs, and you went home happy. We climbed on monkey bars. We fell off and broke our noses and arms the way kids are supposed to break their noses and their arms. Where was I? Ah, the playset. This playset has these sequoia-sized beams. It's got screws the size of baseball bats. No instructions. They dump it off in a truck in your backyard, and there you are. My boys are outside looking out the back window. Daddy's putting it together. We're going to go play. Six weeks later, they could go play. I thought I was going to call an engineer to help me with it. And when we moved, we left it right there. What did realtors say? It conveys with the property. It conveyed with the property because there was no way I was going to disassemble it, bring it to Florida, and put it back together again. I would burn it down before I would do that again. That's life. That's faith. And if you're doing anything in this world that's worth doing, it works like that. If you're raising kids, if you're in a relationship with someone you love, it's not always fun and games. It takes some work. If you're starting a business, works like that, and if you are a believer, if you have chosen to follow Christ, it works just like that too. It takes some blood and some sweat and some tears and some cussing and carrying on sometimes to put the pieces together. And I think that maybe this is why faith is so difficult for some people. They're not lacking in faith. Their faith doesn't work because they've never really opened the box. They've never really cut the bands off. They haven't shaken out all of those pieces to see what it looks like. And if they have, they saw all those pieces and the terrible instructions about how it works, and they just shut the door on that extra bedroom and said, I'll come back to that some other time. If that's you, let me encourage you today, don't give up. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on what God is up to in your life. It can come together. The pieces will fit more or less in time. And you will have something useful and something valuable. You already have it, actually. But you're going to have to put your work gloves on. You're going to have to roll up your sleeves. You may have to break out the toolbox and call your neighbor, say your prayers, 
and do the hard work now that it will become the faith you need later. Let us work out our salvation with fear and trembling that we might shine like the stars in heaven. May we pray together. Father, encourage our hearts by helping us to see what faith can become in our lives. Remind us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived the things you have prepared for those who love you, and that these things don't wait in some faraway mythical heaven. They are here for us now, here for the receiving and the working out of our own salvation. It is in Christ we ask these things.